Welcome to the Sleepers and Keepers Fantasy Hockey Podcast, part of the Hockey News Podcast Network. This is episode 10. I'm your host, Jason Chen. I'm joined by Mike Amato. How are you doing, Mike? I'm okay. I'm a little little under the weather today, but you know, I'm gonna gonna plow through. But if my my takes are extra bad this week, um, <laughs> that's that's why. Yeah, sure. Blame it on the kid. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kids bringing home the, the sicknesses from school. So So I thought last week when we talked, I thought the Canucks would maybe blow the Leafs out of the water. Didn't Ooh. happen. I, I didn't think the Canucks played that well, but you thought the Leafs looked pretty good? Yeah, you didn't account for uh, Ryan Reeves being out of the lineup. And I know, right? That's the, the fourth line going off. Yeah, I don't know. I thought the Leafs actually looked really good. They seem to have that uh, kind of more balance now, three lines going. I really like Domi. Robertson on that third group. I think we're going to talk about Robertson a bit later, but yeah, they looked pretty good. Um, and it was obviously the second of a back-to-back for them and the Canucks have been really good. So yeah, it was a big win. But obviously I think uh, not the best game for Demko, not that he had a lot of chances uh, on some of those goals, but he's really been carrying the Canucks. So yeah. And he made some really awesome saves that i think yeah. that game could have easily been gotten out of hand had it not been for him and i for the first time this season i think the canucks looked a little lost and tired yeah maybe it's just being in toronto maybe it's just the road trip but uh anyway on to the next one next <laughs> time the leafs will visit vancouver and i'm sure they'll prevail um but we do have a update in the survivor pool so it's actually lasted longer than i thought eh like week yeah six we're going into yeah, it's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. So the winner of the Hockey News uh, Survivor Pool is Jay Tizzle or Jim Tanella, who, Mike, I think you know. Yeah, congrats to Jim. He sends me a lot of a lot of questions on Twitter. Um, that's that's great that he pulled it out. I think he had Detroit yeah, on he Saturday, did. Uh, just kind of getting by the, the Blue Jackets there. So, yeah, congrats. Yeah, and I think a lot of people got eliminated this Saturday because they picked the Avs, who looked terrible by the way and that 8-2 loss and Jared Bednar came out and just ripped his team and I've never really seen that from him yeah they have they have some kind of been up and down they look like a complete juggernaut at the start of the year and they've had some real stinkers mixed in there too and against St. Louis too like I haven't been overly impressed with the Blues I think they had one power play goal all year coming into that game last night <laughs> they, they no, crew got replaced right so. yeah and so. Robert Thomas destroyed me in my matchup last night. He had a, he had a huge night. Braden Chen had a huge night. So, yeah, not a, not a great night for the Avs, though. Well, when you allow two hat-tricks in the same game, usually that's not a recipe for success. Not ideal. The other one was Boston at Montreal. Um, that the probably took a lot of people up, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, first time uh, in, like, almost four years the Habs won in that matchup. Well, not that matchup, but uh, against the Bruins in that situation. Yeah, it's uh, Montreal. You know, you've been you keep asking me every week, what do you think of the Canadians? They do, <laughs> they are playing better than expected. Um, I like Montembeau a lot, actually. He's, he's a good goalie. Um, yeah, he can really hang in there, and yeah, they've got some fun fun players, and yeah, they're they're going to be exciting to watch. Montembeau reminds me a bit of uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, where all of a sudden he'll pull out like a forty save performance, and you're like, he did what against who? Like, I mean, he's a I don't think he's a top tier elite goalie, but it just goes to show that some goalies can really pull these performances out of their butt and, yeah. and win and lose you a week. And it's really frustrating sometimes. His goals saved above expected are very good this season. So yeah, he's mm-hmm. playing well. 
well, Jake Allen was up there too, and he's kind of come down to earth. So I, I kind of expect the same with Montembeau, but I think as a team, they're so much better than the sum of their parts. Yeah, they they have a lot of talented pieces, and I think once they kind of put it all together, in a few years they're going to be uh, scary in that Atlantic. Yeah. Speaking of talent, we got to hit it off with the biggest news over the weekend. So this morning, Jay Woodcroft of the Oilers was fired him and Dave Manson, they're going to be replaced by Chris Knobloch, who was the head coach of AHL Hartford and Paul Coffey, Oilers legend. Now you got to think though, it's not really a coaching or talent problem. Is it for the Oilers? Uh, No, not necessarily. I just think when you start that bad, it's, they had to do something. Um, and, and I think the challenge is, like, I know a lot of people said, oh, who would have thought, you know, Jay Woodcroft would be the, the first coach to get fired in season. But when you really think about it, like, the, the bigger the expectations, the more likelihood you are to, to get fired, basically, right? Like, yeah. like nobody's calling for Dan Quinn's job in San Jose because, you know, they're not supposed to be competing for a Stanley Cup, right? The Oilers are. So, yeah, it's been it's been a nightmare start. Um I think they've struggled defensively a lot. They're not getting saves like they were last year. Stuart Skinner was was pretty good for them last year in the regular season. He kind of carried them in net, and and he hasn't been great so far. Um, so that's something they'll need. I, I think obviously they're they're too good to be this bad. Uh, they're going to get better, yeah. and you know I think a lot of people might look at the coach, but I think they're just going to get better naturally they have the two best players in the world i think a, a, maybe kind of an under talked about storyline here is mcdavid doesn't really look 100 percent to me like he still looks like he's not fully healed from that injury he had earlier this year so mm-hmm. um that's probably something to watch but yeah zach hyman had a big game saturday night they need more from from those type of players to to chip in so we'll see what happens here yeah i wouldn't put this all on jay woodcroft but it on a sort of side note, it just goes to show that the Jack Adams winner is usually the one with the good goalie. Yeah. And you have no chance if, if Skinner and Campbell and we'll see how Pickard does, but it, it doesn't help if none of them can stop pucks. And I don't know if you saw the comment from Jack Campbell about when he was waived and he was saying, Oh, well, I didn't play. think I was playing so poorly. Well, Jack Campbell in two games in the AHL has allowed eight goals with an 826 save percentage. So yeah. I feel like it's one of those things where maybe Jack Campbell's telling himself to pump himself a little bit because we know he can get, you know, really down on himself. And to me, the biggest weapon of an elite player is confidence. And if they lose that confidence, it's really game over. Yeah. And there, there were signs of this in Toronto, right? Like that's mm-hmm. why the Leafs had no interest in, in giving him that kind of contract because there were legitimately times in, in, when he was with the Leafs that he looked like a Vezna caliber goalie for two months. And then there were other times where, you know, he looked like he shouldn't even be in the league. Right. And I think that's when you look at his numbers as a whole in Toronto, they looked pretty good overall because he had kind of these really elite, you know, really elite stretches and then some really bad stretches. And they ended up kind of in the middle and he, his numbers looked okay, but yeah, it's tough. Like he, he has not been able to find it with the Oilers. I think the Oilers, um, aren't as strong as the Leafs defensively at limiting those chances. And I think that's, that's catching up to him, but yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Like if you're Woodcroft at the end of the day, you know, when you have the two best players in the world, um, at least in my opinion on your team, you, you can't, you can't be 31st in the league or, or wherever they were, you know, a month in, you just, you gotta be better. Yeah. Agreed. And as from like a fantasy standpoint, if you have Stuart Skinner, what do you do? Do you stream, hold, 
Because um, with Knobloch coming in, and mind you, he was uh, McDavid's coach in Yuri in the OHL. Yeah. So usually when you have a new coach, you get like a sort of a new coach bump mm-hmm. where you get a few wins in a row. I'm not convinced that the Oilers are that good because I think a lot of their problems are roster related. <laughs> so what do you do with Skinner at this point? You, you say this Oilers can get better, but how much value does Skinner have as a fantasy goalie? I mean, I, I think if he gets back, there's no reason why the Oilers can't get back to the way they played last year. And there's no reason Skinner really can't get back there. Um, I think right now, if I have Skinner, I'm holding him. He had a good game Saturday. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing what the next week or so brings. um, Because again, depending on the size of your league, I can't imagine there's that many better options out there right Mm -hmm. now. Like I know Skinner has not been good. The others have not been good, but there's a lot of potential and upside there. Right? Like if you look at guys on the waiver wire right now, it's, probably it's pretty bare yeah maybe a one b or two that people have been frustrated with so you know do you want to pick up like a lucas dostal and, and hope for the best hope that the ducks somehow maybe sustain this maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe or do you want to bank on skinner i i would probably just hold hold them for a bit and see if they can get that new coach bump and see if he gets into a bit of a groove um or if yeah. he can't you know maybe do you do you take a gamble on uh, picard if he gets a chance like We've seen this before, right? Last year, the the Kings were kind of in a similar situation. Like they couldn't get a save from Quick and, mm-hmm. and Peterson. All of a sudden, they brought up Copley. He played pretty well, and they ended up finishing the season with Copley and Corpusalo. So, who knows? Maybe there's still a trade coming. But yeah, like it's 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 frustrating. I get it, but I just find it hard to believe there's that many better options than Skinner available. Yeah, and I don't think you can trade him, right? Because you're trading him at his no. lowest point. So yeah, there's no value there right now. If anything, you should be buying low. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Take a chance, like especially if you're sitting on waivers in your league right now. Like, mm-hmm. just scoop them and see see what happens. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to goalies later because this overall hasn't been a great year for goalies, in my opinion. No. But speaking on the same topic, uh, Dustin Wolf called up from the Wranglers by the Flames. Started against Ottawa because Jacob Marshall's day to day actually played well. Thirty four saves on thirty eight shots. Uh, got tagged with a loss though. Um, but I'm thinking that maybe Dustin Wolf will back up Markstrom when he comes back. We'll see what happens with Ladar. But I think Wolf deserves a chance, and I think he deserves to stay with the big club. Would you claim him? Would you roster him right now as a hold? If he's, yeah, if he is, like you say, going to be Markstrom's backup, I think you could. Um, you know, if he's up and down from the minors, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I think we'll talk about this later, but it's almost like, Kachekov situation when Anderson and Ranta were healthy. You've got a really good third guy, but there's just not space for him. So if he's if he's in the in the top two options and they send Vladar down or they trade Vladar, um, yeah, then I would take a chance. But the other thing too here is like, you know, how good are the Flames, right? Like you said he mm. played well on Saturday. I agree, but what happened? You know, gave up three or four and and a loss, right? So it's gonna be tough. I think to rock, like I think I actually think Markstrom has been okay too this year. It's just the team, the team around him hasn't been that great. So there's not that much value to kind of a one B on a on a bad team, right? A one B on a good team, definitely. Um, so I guess if you believe in the Flames, you think they're going to turn it around, then yeah, you can gamble on them. But I would say long term uh, keeper in mind. I think Wolf is a great pick. He, he looked phenomenal in the AHL. Yeah, and keep in mind the Flames are probably going to be sellers. I think the Oilers yeah. are going to be buying. Like they're going to 
claw their way into the playoffs as much as they can because you can't have Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl and not make the playoffs. That's that's an embarrassing look for the team and the league. But yeah. for the Flames, they're talking about uh, trading Zadorov because he's requested a trade. Mm-hmm. Hannafin's a free agent. Tanev's out there as well. So if anything, it looks like the Flames are going to break up that D, and that's a pretty good group. And if you don't have that D, just makes Dustin Wolf's job that much harder. Yeah, that's what you don't want um, if you're a young goalie is is losing kind of half your D and maybe three top four guys. So, yeah, that's not ideal, too. That's a good point. Um, it sounds like Zadorov wants to go sooner rather than later. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of teams interested for sure in, th- in those types of players. So, yeah, it could be tough. I-, I think for them to kind of not sell, they'd have to go on a pretty good run in the next month or so because mm-hmm. um, it-, it has not looked good there. Well, it's Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving coming up in a couple yep. weeks, right? So that's the kind of cutoff line. Although I have to say, uh, I think Nazem Kadri started off slow and got dumped up in a lot of fantasy leagues and he looks great now. I picked him up in one of my other leagues because he was, I was surprised to see him on waivers. But there's a couple of flames that are good buy low candidates now, don't you think, including Kadri? Yep. I like Connor Zari too. Yep. Um, he, he's looked pretty strong. I think he's four points in five games now. He's getting mm-hmm. some, some good minutes. So, um, Huberto is yeah. not coming back though, is he? Oh, it's, it's not looking good there. Um, and, and they keep saying they're, they're trying to help him. They're trying to trade for players that are going to, you know, fit his style or help him. But I in mean, one year leagues, I, I, I don't see it. I just don't think, and, and Lindholm too is affected from that. So, yeah, it's a tough go there. But yeah, if, if you just have to only spend a waiver claim, you could give somebody like Kadri a shot or, mm-hmm. or Zari or something like that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of teams struggling with injuries or depth, but it looks like the Leafs, going back to them, have figured it out. Uh, with Nick Robertson, you mentioned him at the beginning. Um, with Nyes on the top line now, Rick Roberts or Nick Robertson giving that third line some punch. Uh, what what's his fantasy value though? Because he's gonna get his limits minutes limited no matter what happens. Yeah. So first off, I think if you're just a general hockey fan, you got to be pretty happy for Nick Robertson. Gone through mm-hmm. like a lot of injuries, was a, a pretty touted prospect, and it's taken a long time to get here. It kind of looks like he's gonna stick now. Um, he's been up and down the HL a lot. He looks to me, he looks the most like an NHL player that I've seen him. Um, mm-hmm. He's had four points, I think, in four games since the call up. But yeah, like you said, fantasy-wise, he's not going to get top power play time. He is with Domi and Yarncroak on that third line. The Leafs kind of look like they have those lines set now. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know if he's going to get a bump up. But yeah, you could stream him. I think it's a tough... I I, I do like him as a a sleeper. It's a a tough week coming up for the Leafs. They have that Sweden trip, and there's only two games for them, not till later in the week. So not an ideal time to grab him. But if you're thinking long-term... I would look at him because the other factor here is too. There's been a lot of talk. Like we all know the Leafs need a defenseman. So is this a good time to trade Robertson from, from Toronto standpoint, right? Like his, he now his value seems to have a little bit of something behind it. Um, whereas it didn't for a long time. So, you know, if they are going to sell high on him, um, maybe they're, they're going to do so soon for a defender, but who knows? They could also keep him because he does look like he's a, a top nine NHL forward right now. And you got to think that whichever team acquires Nick Robertson has a bit of like a top six or at least a middle six role carved out for him. Yeah. you. you the thing is, though, there. I would imagine it's maybe a, a lower end team that yeah. has some roster space that wants to give a guy like him a shot. But yes, you're right. He I'd imagine he get more of an opportunity somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. 
the left wing position on that top line next to Matthews has always been a bit of a mystery to me. It seems like whoever plays there, you think they would produce, but they don't. So, and, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely tricky. Like, I think people just assume, you know, you're going to get huge numbers from playing there, but we've seen it work both ways, right? We've seen players that haven't worked there at all. You know, whether it was like Nick Ritchie, um, did not well, Nick Ritchie did, not working out is yeah, not surprising to anyone that did not go well. Um, and Bertuzzi really hasn't, um, yeah. fit that game either, right? They need a player, and I think Nyes is the perfect fit. Um, he had a pretty big week there. Mm-hmm. Um, you need a guy that's gonna kind of like that Zach Hyman type. I don't, not Nyes is not, I'm not comparing the two, he's not really on that level, but they play mm-hmm. the same way. Like, he Nyes gets into the corners, he digs pucks out. And he gets them, you know, to Matthews and Martin to make plays. And he goes to the net, right? That's the kind of player you need. Like, that's why I think Yarncroke has had a little bit of success there. Yeah. But he just doesn't have the, the offensive talent as, as, as a nice, right? So, but you need that player that's going to get the puck out of the corners to those guys in the dirty areas and let them do their thing. And you have to be able to think the game quickly, on right? Level, it, yeah. yeah, think it, it, not just move, but think on that level. So, you know, he's, he's a high... High-end prospect. He's got that skill set. Um, he scored a beautiful goal against Tampa. Him and Marner just kind of flipping it mm-hmm. around in the offensive zone. So, yeah, you're always – sometimes it takes a while in the season to figure out who's going to claim that spot because it is a good fantasy grab, obviously, if you're playing with Matthews and Marner. And and it looks like Nyes has it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of minutes, um, we had one minor trade uh, this week, and that was the Wild shipping Kalen Addison out to San Jose. Uh, I think that's actually a, a deal that makes sense for both sides. So the Sharks get finally a defenseman who can quarterback a power play. You don't need to play Kyle Burrows out there. Uh, <laughs> the legend that is Kyle Burrows. <laughs> and uh, for the Wild, they can do it because Jared Spurgeon comes back in. And they added a defenseman, Zach Bogosian, to add a little more size and toughness. Um, Kalen Addison was a bit of a darling. And we talked about him before the season as a potential power play quarterback because his Underlying numbers look good. It's just that Dean Evison didn't really trust him um, at five on five. But now in San Jose, there's no reason not to play him, right? Yeah, I know a couple people messaged me this week um, asking what I thought about it because they were concerned that you know his value was going to plummet. But I'm not overly concerned if you have him because you know, like you said, he's going to get a ton of minutes there, a ton yeah. of opportunities. There's no competition. Um, we, we all have seen many examples of, of good players on bad teams producing. Um, again, I'm not, I'm not sure how effective he's going to be. It's not like he was a, a complete stud on the wall, like he was, mm-hmm. he was effective at times. He got scratched at times. So yeah, I don't think he's going to have to worry about missing too much time in San Jose. So it's a good spot for him. I guess the, the question is he's going to a much weaker team. You know, how good is the Sharks power play going to be? Like, that's great that you can quarterback the power play, but you know, maybe that hurts him a bit, but I think overall his minutes and opportunities are, are going to be a lot more in San Jose. I think in deeper leagues, you can definitely roster Addison mm-hmm. um, just for the upside. Um, but you're right. You're probably looking at some power play points and a really terrible plus minus. Yeah. That's the thing, right? Like the, he's, you know, the wilder t- typically a good defensive team with, with good mm-hmm. goaltending. It's been a little bit more challenging this year, but yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, in San Jose, it's going to be it's going to be a little bit of a different situation. For yeah, him. yeah. Uh, the other thing is uh, Jared Spurgeon. So he's one of those players that's actually way better in real life than in fantasy. Yeah. And in fantasy, you're always looking at him going like, well, he gets me some block shots, but not a whole lot else. But now that he's quarterbacking the top power play, 
you got to think that gives him a pretty good fantasy boost, right? Like two seasons ago, he was on pace for, I think, like 50 points or something like that. So, I mean, he went undrafted in a lot of leagues this year, and he's not rostered in a lot of leagues right now. So do you roster him now? Yeah, I think you could give give him a shot for sure. I, I, I think... I remember him pacing that way a couple of years ago of having mm-hmm. a decent offensive run. I think the question is, you know, the, the wilds uh, were kind of tinkering with that five forward power mm. play at times. Like, are they going to keep that? Or are they going to give Spurgeon a shot? We'll that see. never works. I know it doesn't, but we'll see how long it goes. <laughs> yeah. I, I think if, you know, we, we talked a little bit earlier about injuries. If you're, if your squad is hit with injuries right now and you need a, a defender, Spurgeon seems like a, a decent option because he's going to be suddenly getting to quarterback a top power play. So yeah, he's, he's worth a shot. Yeah. And you look at the two defensemen that led their power play last season, John Klinberg and uh, Kalen Anderson, they're no longer there. So there's not a lot of competition to speak of. Uh, I am still re- wary of Brock Faber, but I don't think they trust him yet, but yeah. Faber maybe down the road is going to be an interesting player. Yeah. I can see him challenging a little bit later, but probably not right now. Yeah. Uh, final news piece of the week. Well, it's been a busy week, eh? Yeah. So much uh, going on. Yeah. Patrick Kane. So I got an interesting question uh, on Twitter. Uh, this is from Saruman the Dark. So interesting uh, name there. I really like the Lord of the Rings reference. But anyway, he says, uh, Jason, should I try to grab P. Kane early in my pool if possible? Looks like he's getting closer to picking a team. Now, there's there's two things that we got to consider here. One is when he's coming back and if you have the roster space to stash Kane, which generally speaking, if, if you have injury spots, you can. Uh, the second part is who he signs with. I think that's probably the more interesting part of the fantasy equation, is it not? Yeah, that's going to really determine, I think, a lot of his value. Um, he's obviously not the player he once was, but no. obviously he was playing hurt. Um the last year or so. So hopefully this maybe helps him. Um, we'll see where he lands. And, and I think to your point, yeah, you have to look at roster space. If you're not able to stash him anywhere, um, depending on your league settings, and he's just occupying a roster spot, you really have to weigh um, how much that's hurting you right now. Because, you know, if he's taking up a, a space where another player could be playing for you and, and Kane's not going to sign for another month or so, that could be really detrimental. And, I think a lot of it too comes down to where you are in the standings. You know, if you're, if you need to win, you know, in a head to head league the next few weeks to, to keep from completely falling out of it, you probably don't want to grab Kane because it's just going to weigh you down right now. But it, if you're near the top of the standings and you can afford to maybe, you know, hold them for a bit, um, maybe that's a gamble you take. So yeah, I think it kind of comes down to the flexibility of your roster. If you have the space, why not grab them? Um, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Well, I was going to say too, like, so where do you think Patrick Kane is fantasy wise as, as, as part of like when it relates to point production, because he's not a point per game player anymore, whichever team he signs with is probably going to play him on the second line, maybe top power play, but you're stashing a player that gives you 50, 60 point pace, but not a whole lot else. So sometimes I wonder if we overrate some of these you know, veterans who are coming into the season late and may, or maybe I'm just like scarred by memories of Matt Sundin and Canucks. Trinity. Yeah, that's, that's very possible. But um, yeah, I think it, it's a good point. Like I would say best case scenario, he's a 60 point player right now. Yeah. Uh, that, 60 that point pace pace. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. 60 point pace. So, and a lot of that will depend 
you know, where he goes. Um, I, I don't think he's as much of a, a driver of play anymore. So yeah. you also have to be concerned if he is going on the second line and, and, you know, that team gets an injury and suddenly he's kind of on an island by himself. That's, that's trouble too at his age. But yeah, we, that's, that's a common issue in fantasy hockey, right? It's just that name recognition where, you, yeah. and I had a lot of people I'll sort of compare it to like, a lot of people have asked me about Matt Duchesne. Like, should uh, I drop Matt Duchesne? Like he's, He's not doing much and I don't want to drop him because, because it's Matthew Shane. But yeah, I think players get to a point where they're just, you know, not as skilled as they once were, but you remember those heydays where they were just mm-hmm. dominating and you want to draft them earlier than you should, or you want to hold on to them longer than you should. But I think in this case, you know, we really haven't seen Kane healthy in a while and he doesn't really like, to me, his game isn't really built on speed. So, like, mm-hmm. he's the kind of player that's kind of cerebral, great passer. I think if he's healthy, he could still be really effective, and especially if he's going to a strong team. It's in the Eastern Conference, it sounds like. So, um, I I would definitely give him a shot. But, yeah, you got to temper your expectations. You're not you're not getting a 100-point player anymore. Where do you think he goes? Uh, I, I'm going to say either... Florida or Detroit. I think mm-hmm. I think Buffalo if it, or if Buffalo can get into the race here in the next month, maybe Buffalo too. I think he'd like to go to Buffalo, but if they're not in it again, I think he probably wants to go to a contender. So I'll, yeah. I'll say Detroit. If he can get back with the Brinket, maybe Detroit. I'd say Detroit or Florida. Those are my top two choices. Yeah. Although every time a player says they want to play in the Eastern Conference, I always think the the stars are a wild card. Yeah. Um, because Dallas being sort of like a transportation hub, people kind of underestimate how easy travel is from there. And there's some recent history too there with Patrick Sharp going from the Hawks to the Stars. So maybe Kane calls up Sharp and gets, and Sharp gives Dallas a, a big thumbs up because I think Dallas looks pretty good right now. And they could use a little more scoring on that third line with the average age is going to be like 30-something now, but whatever. <laughs> Yeah, and they definitely check off the the contender box, right? Like I'm yeah. sure that's what Kane wants is to go to a contender, and then the stars are definitely that. So yeah, uh, moving on to some players, some real fantasy talk. Um, Victor Hedman, you want to talk about him? He is having a huge bounce back season. Yeah, rumors of his demise are, are greatly, greatly exaggerated. He yeah. looks really good. He's overtaken Sergeyev again, top power play. And we talked a lot about Hedman and Sergeyev in the preseason, right? Mm-hmm. Like, where do you drop yep. these guys? Who do you take first? I think a lot of people had Sergeyev just ahead of Hedman because they thought that's how it was trending. But, mm-hmm. yeah, Hedman's on pace for he, – he's I think he's got 17 points in 15 games, something like that right now. Unreal. Just just ridiculous. And I guess the bigger question is what happened last year? Like, I I get well, it. he was hurt a little bit. Yeah, but, like and – and I understand Sergeyev took over that power play spot, but – he had a drop off of like 36 points from two years ago to last year. Like that seems really unusual to me. He was under 50 points last year. And I kind of thought maybe my my thought was maybe he's just going to kind of age. Like he's going to be a really good NHL defenseman, but just Mm -hmm. not an elite fantasy defenseman, Mm -hmm. but he's completely turned around. He looks really good this year. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I think also was because Sergeyev played so well. A lot of the underlying stats looked a little, out of place, but you can't deny the stuff that he was doing on the ice. And I think maybe the part of its chemistry, I think Hedman, Stamkos, Kucherov being together for so long and playing with the others for so long makes it easy. And the, and the Lightning do lean on their big players a lot because they don't yeah. have that much depth. So Hedman, I mean, 
quietly becoming a top five fantasy defenseman Norris candidate again, which is pretty amazing if you grabbed him, what, five, fifth, sixth round maybe? Yeah, at least, yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Detroit, you mentioned Debrinkat. Maybe Kane should go so Debrinkat <laughs> might snap out of his funk. Uh, just a goal and an assist in his past eight games. Now, Debrinkat's always been a bit streaky to me. Yeah, for sure. So this is kind of like a lull in the season. I'm kind of glad it's happening early and not later in the season when you really need him to win your week. Um, but when you play struggling, do you find yourself benching him or or do you just kind of start him and hope that one one game will bust his slump? Yeah, I think it depends on the matchup, right? If, if the Wings have a tough matchup and he's really struggling, maybe you consider it. But I think you hit, hit the nail on the head when you said he's just more of a streaky player than some other elite scorers. Like, I think he could still finish with 40 goals and 80 points. Yep. But if you're in a Roto League, you're, you're probably not as concerned. If you're in a head-to-head, uh, like this eight-game stretch really hurts and you got to kind of be able to absorb that. So and he was also scoring at a pretty unsustainable rate to yep. start the year so it's not not that shocking and the wings as a whole have kind of come back down to earth a bit so yep. i think it'll be okay but yeah you just have to sort of use them selectively and just be able to kind of withstand these cold streaks because he will go through a few yeah speaking of another play on a cold streak trevor zegras he's day-to-day with an injury right now so not a lot to worry about if you have an ir plus slot but i'm on the verge of dropping this guy but I know he's so talented. What should I do in this case? Yeah, it's a really tough one. I think if you're in a one-year, like, head-to-head league, he could be a droppable player at this point. Um, And it's got to be extra frustrating when you see, like, Mason McTavish lighting it up, Frank Vetrano lighting it up. Neil Carlson. Yeah, Ryan Everybody even had a good start. Yeah, Yeah. even Terry kind of busted out of it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not ideal. Um, he just really hasn't found it this year and, you know, he, he was benched a little bit, uh, for a game or so too, for a stretch there a couple weeks ago. I mean, um, he deserves that benching. Like Dallas Aiken should have benched him a couple times last season too. Yeah. Um, so, but with Zegras, you look at his stats and the shots he's putting up both at even strength and on power play, like at some point the dam has to break. And I feel like he's just going to start scoring points and bunches but like you said this is probably a guy you can drop right now and then pick him up again when he's hot yeah obviously if you're thinking short term um he's potentially a drop candidate because you also have to consider too like the ducks how long are the ducks going to be able to play at this all season level (laughs) well maybe but um i would not be putting a lot of money on that so (laughs) if i'm you know a zegris um someone that has zegris on my roster i would be a little concerned that you know he hasn't taken advantage of this strong start to the season and you're looking for him to break out of it um as time goes by when the ducks might you know come back down to earth a bit and regress a bit so yeah it's it's definitely concerning Mm -hmm. uh another concerning player and actually as a team overall because i talked about this team's defense being not so good and that's always going to hurt you at some point and that's the new jersey devils and the player i'm talking about is timo meyer my God, he is so frustrating. <laughs> well, Jack Hughes, right? Jack, Jack yeah. Hughes helped him. Helped yeah. him when Meyer started slow. He got pushed up to the to the Hughes line. He started playing well, and then Hughes went down. And yeah, it's it's been a bit of a more challenging period for him. I think the Devils, as a whole, really miss Hughes. Um, they're not that great 
defensively. They're not getting saves. So yeah, and the you, power play can't click at forty percent all year, right? Yeah. So when you take a guy like Hughes out of the lineup, it's it starts to kind of have a, a trickle down effect, right? Mm-hmm. And also not just Hughes, but no Hishier for a stretch as well. Yeah, top two centers. But on the plus side, uh, Mercer's looked pretty good there. He's he's had two goals in three games since yep. getting bumped, and his shot volume really has gone up. So yeah. He does look good there. Um, if you are looking for for somebody, he might still be on waivers in a few leagues. Yeah, same. I already picked up Dawson Mercer because I I saw the game where he back to back games where he put up four shots, and I was like, wow, okay. If he's going to put up the shots, maybe he'll have some fantasy value. But <laughs> Timo Meyer, I watch him put up maybe a couple shots per game, zero goals, minus one, and that's been his stat line basically. I mean, I I really wonder if. I know it's early, but if the Devils kind of regret giving him that contract, um, especially because Tyler Toffoli's been so good and and they cost him not a whole lot. Yeah, and we've seen examples of this too where a player goes from a weaker team to a strong team and they just have a harder time fitting in for Mm. whatever reason. They're not leaned on as much. Their role is different. And it looks like he's still kind of finding his footing there. Um, Yeah. He is so it's great. been a season and a half. Come on, let's go. Well, he he was moved last year, right? Like he's the only played. Okay, summer, summer. Yeah, yeah. So like he's he's played the end of last season, a few playoff games, start of this year. I get it. He should be doing more, but mm-hmm. I think eventually it'll it'll work out for him. The Devils have a lot of talent, and he's so mm-hmm. he's such a good you know versatile player for multi cat leagues too, right? So yes, true. Um, next part is goalies i wanted to talk about them for a sec because this is always the most frustrating part of fantasy hockey and i get the feeling and correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like goalies just as a whole aren't as good this year i i agree like i think i talked on the show a couple weeks ago about how i've kind of gone to like just really putting less emphasis on my goalies and more Mm -hmm. emphasis on my skaters because the goalies just so unreliable even the zero g's this year like cam talbot has been pretty good joseph wall has been a a decent find but other than that like schmied on the devils going back to them yeah like schmied hasn't been great the last couple of appearances he's had have been good but he hasn't had much value you know kachekov not great um so far he's had a good game recently but he hasn't brought a lot he hasn't played much I just think it's harder to find, you know, goaltenders out there that are going to be effective. And and I, I've found myself in this position the last few weeks where I've been debating between a skater and a goalie. And I just mm. find like the, the pros to adding the skater is way more than the goalie. Like, for example, last week I was debating between Matthew Nyes and Piotr Kachekov. Mm-hmm. And I thought in my head, Nyes is going to play four times this week. Mm-hmm. Matthews and Marner. In a worst case scenario, he's going to get a couple of points, 10 shots, handful of hits, some penalty minutes. And then you look at Kachekov, he did have the, a, a shutout, but he's going to play maybe one game. And if that doesn't go well, it's a, it's a disaster. So it's really, it's really tough. And I'm just of the mind now, you try to grab a couple guys, you semi-trust, and then you just try and stream goalies as you need them. It's, it's just really difficult to rely on anybody long-term. Uh, speaking of the Canes, uh, Kachekov and Ranta and Anderson when he was healthy too, letting quite a few goals, uh, top five or bottom five, depending on how you look at it in goals against. And they allow like 26 shots a game. So from a fantasy standpoint, not only are you getting a high goals against, you're getting a terrible save percentage. 
Yeah, it's, it's like the Canes are one of those teams that you think they're typically a really good defensive team. So, okay, that's a good team to roster goalies. And a lot of times that's true, but mm-hmm. we don't give up a lot of shots. You have to be pretty flawless in there because if you give up one or two, it can look pretty ugly, even if you do get a win out of it. So, and yeah, that's why I, when I was thinking about Kachekov, I'm still not sure how much he's going to play, right? Like they mm-hmm. started Ranta two out of three games this week. They have Halak there. They just don't seem to really fully trust Kachekov yet or want to lean on him yet. So yeah. it's it's a bit of a tricky situation. Even with Anderson out, it doesn't feel like Kachekov is super valuable. And even with the shutout, that was probably the easiest shutout of Kachekov's career against Tampa. 23 saves, but no Nikita Kucherov. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a shutout, sure, but it's not, you know, I could list maybe six other goalies who easily had a better performance than Kachekov that night. Yeah, like I think he's a guy, and you don't know, like maybe – you know, maybe they don't want to lean on him so much and they will end up signing mm-hmm. Halak and playing Halak as a backup. But oh God, <laughs> I, I guess, I guess they're obviously with Ranta, you know, there's always the concern of, of an injury. So Kachekov's yep. going to get in there, but yeah, they, they just feel like they like to rotate goalies a lot. They don't like to lean on any one player, they like to have always three options around. So it's, it's tricky in that scenario. Okay. Well, in that case, let's run through the goalies pretty quick. So Kachekov or Ranta, I have a feeling you're leaning Ranta. Yeah, if every, obviously if everyone's healthy, I'd say give a slight edge to Ranta. Yeah, um, yeah. same. Uh, we're assuming that all these goalies are obviously healthy for the rest <laughs> of the season. Um, next up, Billy Huso or James Reimer? Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm, I'm going to say Huso just because I think the okay. wings lean on him more. I think they're just going to keep playing him unless he completely falls apart i have a sneaky feeling that reimer is just going to take over the net at some point and even wow. if it's a even if it's a timeshare i do think reimer is going to be the 1a or at least split the starts because i look at huso and going even back to last year i'm just not that impressed meanwhile reimer's always done well in the timeshare but who knows if that, if that does happen then reimer will have some value for yeah sure. yeah Elias samsonov or joseph wool Ooh, um, that one's so close to me. Like, yeah, I give a slight edge to Wall, but that's one where you really want the tandem because you really, yeah. you have no idea which way it's going to go. Like, Samsonov looked really good against Boston. Then he had a dreadful start against the Lightning the other day. He mm-hmm. looked, he looked good Saturday night again, though. Mm-hmm. Um, Wool has been pretty good all year until the last couple of games. He looked a yeah. little shaky, so. Um, it's interesting. I give him, I think wool is like the, he gives me the most confidence when he's in that, but just barely, just barely. (laughs) I think it's kind of like, uh, the Oilers tandem where if the defense in front of them isn't good, it doesn't matter who's in net sometimes. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, I trust wall a bit more in that situation. If Mm. the defense falters and I, I think either way, like none of those guys are playing 60 games. Like, yeah. Like if one of them is takes the job, like they're going to be playing 53% of the time and the other guy's going to be playing 47% of the time. So it's not a huge disaster if you grab one or the other. I find both goalies fairly comparable from a stats perspective. Yeah. And so considering that I'm going to give Samson off the edge because I think he's going to play more games if only slightly. So uh, moving to the Sabres, Devin Levi or Uko Pekko Lukanen? Eric Comrie? <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not a huge, uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in the Sabres right now. Like, I'm, I've liked what I've seen from UPL at times, but he's also had some at times. Games. That's the thing with all three of the goalies at yeah. times. So, I'm not really running out to grab 
any of those options really, unless the Sabres really pick it up. Um, I think they want Levi to take the job. So maybe yeah. I'll say him because that's what the Sabres want, but he hasn't really grabbed it. So we'll see. I, I think the Sabres kind of have to get a lot better to really count on either of those guys. I agree with you. And again, I'm going with Levi because of quantity. If both goalies yeah. are somewhat similar. Uh, last one, John Gibson or Lucas Dostal. Oh, Dostal for me. Yeah, Dostal like, for me too. I, I think they're. I think they will play close to the same amount. Like I think it'll be a timeshare, but yeah. I, I think Dostal will get a lot of playing time. He looks really good um, so far. I think Dostal is just not tainted by ten years of Doc's losses. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and we've seen like we've seen situations where like Anthony Stellars played pretty well for he the did. when he did. when Gibson wasn't playing well, right behind the same team. So. And if somehow the Ducks uh, do keep it up all year, like you're like you're hoping, <laughs> then I think Dossel is a really good find. Yeah. Um, all right. As always, we're going to finish this episode with our sleeper and keeper for the week. Uh, why don't you go ahead, Mike? All right. Uh, my sleeper, I had Nick Robertson. We talked no about Homer. Him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talked about him earlier. It's obviously uh, a long-term thing. I think, uh, you know, he could have a lot of value this season, but... I think he's starting to look like an NHL player. Um, mm-hmm. He could have some big value down the road. And you never know if there's an injury in the top six in Toronto and he's there. Maybe he gets a promotion and, and his numbers really take off. So I'll go with him. Um, the other one I'm going with for my keeper is Robert Thomas. Um, not rostered in a lot of leagues right now. Had a, big game, had a big game Saturday night. He's had a big six or seven game stretch here. Big numbers. So... He's, he's looking pretty good um, and pretty good shot volume lately, which is mm-hmm. unusual for him. He doesn't shoot the puck a ton, but lately it's been really good. So, And the Blues look a bit better as a whole. So that's a guy I would uh, – and they play four times next week too, I believe, yeah. which is which is always nice when you add a player. So yeah. I, I'd look at Thomas. Would you go through the roof and Nick Robertson ends up on Matthew's line? <laughs> oh, that would be if – you, if you grabbed him. That would be really him, interesting. If you grabbed him, that would be great. Well, it's, they might try him there at some point. You never know. Yeah, they should. Um, for my sleeper of the week, I was kind of torn between these two, but uh, first one I'm going to go with is Mike Amadio, uh, centering the second line for the Golden Knights. A bit of a meat and potatoes type player, but in that situation, Mark Stone on his line, I think he has a chance to be productive, and the Knights are a wagon. Um, the only thing is Chandler Stevenson, once he comes back, Amadio is going to get bumped down. So maybe you don't want to go with him, and maybe you want to go with Kirill Marchenko. Uh yeah, playing for the Jackets. I know you mentioned him earlier this season. Little point streak, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is the type of player you grab when he's hot and then you just dump when he's cold. Yeah. It's just it's one of those low risk moves because you're not missing a whole lot and he's probably available in I think 95% of leagues out there, something like that. Uh my keeper, I'm sticking with the Blues too, Pavel Buchnevich. Um this is a player that has been scoring low key at a point per game pace for like the past two seasons. Him and Nick Schmaltz just are really often overlooked. And I know Butchnevich was kind of dropped early in the season when the Blues were struggling, but him and Thomas are both rostering uh, for the whole year, I think. Yeah. And like I said, I, the Blues look a lot better than they did in the early part of the season. If they can keep this going, I think both those guys will, will be assets. Mm-hmm. All right. I think we have time for one mailbag question. All right. Um, This is from the guru at extra attacker on Twitter. 
Uh, he says, Mike, quick question. Spencer Knight just went on the waiver wire in his league. Seems like he's playing decent in AHL. I have a spot for him on my minor squad. Do you think he gets a call up at some point? Bob has been his typical inconsistent self, it appears. That's, I like this question because Knight could have a lot of value if he gets a chance. And obviously Bob is, is somebody that is inconsistent and very um, – does not have a very firm grasp on that job, I don't think. But um, Stellars is there now, I believe, mm-hmm. as, the, as the backup. So I think it might take an injury to get Knight up this year, um, unless they really want to want to give him a look, because I think they want to get him some games, um, given all he's kind of gone through in the last few years. So I would say if you have the space and you can stash him somewhere where it doesn't impact you on, on a minors squad, like, this guy is saying for example um why not why not see where it goes the panthers are a decent team and yeah he could get a shot i agree with you there i think it's going to take an injury for for knight to get called up and as you said before early in the episode anthony stolars not a bad goalie yeah no he's effective (laughs) all right that's it for this episode thank you for listening please like and subscribe and rate and we will be back next monday thank you for listening see ya